Good morning. In today's headlines, former President Trump pleads not guilty to all 37 charges in a federal indictment. We have more on Trump's legal defense and how it could play out. And lawmakers react to what Trump is calling a politically motivated attack. Find out how those on Capitol Hill feel about the unprecedented case. The House passed a bill protecting the use of gas stoves. In a win for consumers, the bill prevents any potential future ban on the stoves. There's been a doctor shortage, especially coming out of the pandemic. And now Medscape reports that physicians might retire en masse soon. We get an expert's take on it. And the Vegas Golden Knights are the NHL's 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Hear what the team's coach and most valuable player had to say about the victory. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, June 4th. I'm by myself one last time today until uh, Kevin comes back tomorrow. But before that, let's get to the big news this morning. Former President Trump pleaded not guilty to all charges in a federal indictment during his appearance in a Miami federal court yesterday. He says the investigation into his handling of classified documents is a politically motivated attack meant to keep him from the White House in 2024. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Trump's legal defense and how it could play out. Thank you very much. Special counsel Jack Smith charged former President Trump with 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information and six counts including conspiracy to obstruct justice, concealing documents and false statements. Trump, the frontrunner for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination, says the law that applies to the case is the Presidential Records Act, not the Espionage Act. He maintains that he had every right to possess the documents he's being charged over and says the law allows a president to take any documents he decides to. And this is why no other president, even those who kept far more documents than I, has ever been even investigated, let alone charged with a crime. Trump vowed to appoint a special counsel to investigate the business dealings of President Biden and his family if reelected. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will obliterate the deep state. And we know who they are. I know exactly who they are. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. It's very simple. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. They want you silent. The 2024 presidential candidate used the opportunity to tout his campaign agenda, covering topics like energy, the border, crime, lowering taxes, and ending the war in Ukraine. And I am the only one that can save this nation because you know they're not coming after me, they're coming after you, and I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. Trump's spokesperson and attorney on another case, Alina Haba, says what's being done to the former president should terrify all citizens in the country. The decision to pursue charges against President Trump while turning a blind eye to others is em emblematic of the corruption that we have here. We are at a turning point in our nation's history. The targeting prosecution of a leading political opponent is the type of thing you see in dictatorships like Cuba and Venezuela.
Legal experts had mixed predictions on the case, ranging from it being a victory for the rule of law and accountability to the difficulties of finding an impartial jury and to it benefiting Trump's campaign. It only takes one juror on a jury of his peers to vote for acquittal in order for the defendant to be acquitted. If you get three or four hardcore Trump supporters who think he can do no wrong, who serve on that jury, that's going to be a very, very tall task for prosecutors. It could be a year or more before a trial takes place. A legal battle is likely to play out for months while Trump seeks to win back the presidency. Well, it's tough to say when the trial will happen. Obviously, Donald Trump wants to push this past the November 2024 election. And the reason is this. It's well established that no sitting president can be prosecuted. So if he wins, the case goes away. Even if another Republican like DeSantis wins, I would expect that they would try to fire special counsel Jackson for good cause. So I think delay is Trump's friend in this case. Trump was allowed to leave court without conditions or travel restrictions with no cash bond required. The judge ruled he is not allowed to communicate with potential witnesses in the case. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Continuing with the Trump indictment entities, Daniel Monahan has lawmakers' reactions to the charges. Senator Lindsey Graham says the charges smell of a double standard. He thinks the U.S. is overplaying its hand by charging Trump under the Espionage Act. That act, says Graham, is meant for cases like Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden. Is taking information, leaking it to the press in a way to hurt the country or, you know, selling it to a foreign power. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy wonders whether justice has taken a back seat. Where is the discussion about a sitting president that his Justice Department just indicted his top candidate that's going to run against him in less than two years? While Representative Ralph Norman says they're persecuting Donald Trump, the congressman was asked whether Trump did anything wrong. Compared to Joe Biden, 37 indictments on classified documents that Joe Biden had in the, on his garage floor. According to Norman, the Trump charges are motivated by fear. They're scared to death of him being president. That's it. But Senator Richard Blumenthal pushed back on any notions of unfair treatment. He says it isn't the Department of Justice or president bringing charges. It is a grand jury of everyday Americans who has indicted Donald Trump. Meanwhile, members of Miami's Cuban community came out to show Trump their support. The former president visited the Cuban restaurant Versailles, where supporters cheered for him and sang happy birthday. People of varying faiths gathered around Trump in prayer. And Father, we thank you that you've given us President Trump to stand against the wave that's coming against our nation. Father, as Cuban Americans, we declare communism will not come to our shores. Trump addressed supporters. I think it's a rigged deal here. We have a rigged country. We have a country that's corrupt. Presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy says things would be a lot easier for him if Donald Trump wasn't running. But I don't want to win this election, unlike others, by eliminating our competition. Trump's plea sets up a legal battle likely to play out over the coming months as he campaigns to win back the presidency in a November 2024 election. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
An anti-Trump protester wearing a prison costume jumped in front of Trump's motorcade when it was leaving the court yesterday. He told NTD in an interview beforehand that he had unsuccessfully tried the stunt earlier in the day, but was stopped by law enforcement. Police quickly grabbed him and led him to the side of the street where they took him to the ground. The man says he was just exercising his right to protest and wanted to get some attention. He was carrying a sign that said, lock him up after being tackled by police. The people in the crowd chanted, USA, and lock him up. He was arrested and taken away. New York Attorney General Letitia James says her lawsuit and other state criminal cases against Trump could be delayed. That's due to the, due to the Justice Department's prosecution against the former president. The Democrat Attorney General says it's likely that her case, as well as District Attorney Elvin Bragg's and the Georgia case, will be put off pending the outcome of the federal case. But a Georgia prosecutor suggested it wouldn't. He says there is no law that gives the federal government the ability to go first. And White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre is in the hot seat. She stands accused of violating the Hatch Act. It's a law limiting certain political activity by federal employees. The press secretary allegedly misstepped when referring to some Republicans as mega MAGA Republicans. Jean-Pierre reacts. We have used this term many times before. Uh, it's nothing new in the context and the way we use it is in the context of talking about their policies and in talking about their values. The Office of Special Counsel announced the violation on Monday. Jean-Pierre says she used language given to her by White House officials. She stated the Trump administration frequently referred to MAGA Republicans. Jean-Pierre added that White House lawyers would review the ruling. Now, turning our attention to California, Governor Gavin Newsom could be setting himself up for a 2024 presidential run. That's what multiple high-level politicians in California told the Epic Times. Congressman Doug LaMalfa of California says that Newsom is running a shadow campaign. California Assembly Republican leader James Gallagher offered a similar opinion to the Epic Times. He noted that Newsom is doing nationwide campaigns, going to other states, appearing on Fox News' Sean Hannity's program, all the things that a presidential candidate does. Newsom also sidestepped a question about a potential presidential run on Hannity's program on Monday. According to a report by Politico in November 2022, Newsom pledged he wouldn't contest the 2024 presidential nomination of President Biden. That leaves open the possibility of Newsom running if Biden is out of the picture before November 2024. The U.S. House passed a bill yesterday that would prevent a nationwide ban on gas stoves. This comes amid speculation that the Biden administration was planning on such a ban. Without objection. The Gas Stove Protection and Freedom Act would bar the Consumer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC, from using federal funds to regulate gas stoves as a banned hazardous product. It would also stop the commission from enforcing a standard that could substantially raise the price of gas stoves or ban their use or sale. The bill passed by a vote of 248 to 180 on Tuesday. 25 Democrats joined the Republican-led effort. Republican Congressman John Joyce said, This legislation is about ensuring that American families have access to the products and the energy resources that they need and that they want. The bill came after a CPSC commissioner sparked a controversy earlier this year when he proposed a ban on gas stoves. 
The CPSC reacted to the bill saying it's unnecessary and that the agency is not banning gas stoves. The White House also published a statement on the bill saying the Biden administration opposes the bill and that the administration has been clear that it does not support any attempt to ban the use of gas stoves. Meanwhile, some Republican lawmakers are concerned the Biden administration's energy policies are under the influence of groups with ties to the Chinese regime. Congressman Bill Heisinger introduced a resolution Tuesday asking Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm to make public her meetings with certain NGOs. Some of the groups have ties to the Chinese regime and have argued for bans on certain energy sources in the U.S. Coming up, Republicans in the Senate and House are saying no dice to a possible Biden nominee to head the CDC. They're calling out the doctor for past COVID positions. And see the star attraction at a mango festival in India. The seller deploys four guards and six dogs to protect it in the field where it grows. Find out why after the break. Welcome back. Now let's look at some short headlines from around the world. Six Republican senators are balking at President Joe Biden's alleged pick to lead the CDC. 22 House Republicans have joined their efforts. They accuse Dr. Mandy Cohen of mixing politics and science and disregarding civil liberties. They also accuse her of spreading misinformation about COVID vaccinations and masks and say she supported unscientific restrictions on school children. Dr. Cohen did not respond to requests for comment. U.S. Olympic champion sprinter Tori Bowie died from complications of childbirth. That's according to an autopsy report. Bowie won three medals, including one gold at the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Games. She also won the 100 meters at the 2017 World Championships in London. Bowie was about eight months pregnant and showing signs of undergoing labor when she was discovered dead on May 2nd. There has been a doctor shortage, especially coming out of the pandemic, and now Medscape reports that physicians might retire en masse soon. I spoke to an expert to get his take on why that's happening and how you can prepare for it. Joining me now for more is Ches Williams. He is the founder of the healthcare staffing agency Frontera Search Partners. Good morning, Ches. With your company, you'll be one of the people that feels a shortage first. Now, I want to know how has recruiting physicians been for you recently? Well, it's it seems to be getting tougher and tougher. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are really burnt out on the heels of the pandemic, and we're just seeing a huge number of them move towards retirement. So it's going to create a really big strain on the healthcare system. We're certainly seeing that as we try to recruit people, for sure. Now, there is not a, I, I know that there is not a lot of agreement on, you know, some people say it's just the age, other people are saying it's uh, burnout or other things like that. So can you shed some more light yeah. on that? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's one single factor that, that uh, contributes to this. I think there's a, a, a multitude. One uh, is really the amount of paperwork and administrative tasks seems to have really expanded uh, with the advent uh, of a lot of these uh, EMR systems. And I think physicians are saying that the amount of time they spend with a, a patient is actually exceeded by the amount of time they have to spend just documenting and submitting paperwork and trying to figure out how they're going to get paid. I think that's very exasperating to them. I would also point out that 
uh, autonomy is a big deal. I think a lot of physicians, you know, used to have a, a, a great uh, deal of latitude in how they cared for their patients. But as you see these health systems basically consolidating uh, the industry and private equity moving into the space, a lot of this stuff is becoming more rigid and the autonomy has gone away. And I think that's super frustrating to a lot of these doctors. I see. Now I was reading up on some research and it says that two in five physicians are actually reaching the age of 65. That's according to Jackson Physician mm -hmm. Search. So that's on top of the shortage we have seen already. Now what kind of impact will it have now and when will patients really start to feel it? I think we're starting to feel it right now. I don't know, just personally speaking, I know it's it's tough for me even to get in to see my doctor once a year if I'm lucky to do my physical. Most of the time it's, it's just a quick televisit. Um, and I think it is going to get worse. We're going to have to come up with some creative solutions to really ease the strain. Uh, maybe doing more televisits, uh, including more advanced practice practitioners onto the care team, uh, trying to reduce that administrative burden. All these things we're going to have to do or the problems are just going to get worse and worse. Mm, now, which parts of the country are hit hardest? I would say the rural areas, um, they just don't have as, you know, in urban areas, you've got just a, a, a just a much larger pool of talent that, that resides in those areas. If you're a rural hospital and you only have a handful of doctors and they're burnt out and they're ready to retire, it's super difficult to recruit people to those markets. So I think they're getting hit the hardest, you know, compound a lot of this stuff uh, with the fact that Americans don't seem to be as healthy as they maybe used to be. I think more than 50% of Americans have one or more chronic conditions that can be attributed to lifestyle. So I think we can all be bigger stakeholders in our health. And I think that will also take uh, a strain off the system. Hmm. Now, talking about that, what can you as a healthcare organization and maybe also um, the, the patient, what can you do to prepare for that wave of retirement coming up? Well, again, I think if you're a patient, I think being a bigger stakeholder in your, your health and trying to be super proactive, uh, focus on preventive care. So go get those screenings, you know, the heart screenings, cancer screenings, things like that. In particular, if you're in a rural area, knowing that there's not a, a, as large of a care team out there, getting out in front of these, these, uh, these issues before they can become something catastrophic, I think is super important. Thank you so much for those tips. Ches Williams, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Coming up, the population of the vaquita porpoise has remained steady for almost two years. It's the world's rarest marine mammal. And in Scotland, a community is coming together to support one of UK's oldest trees. The 1,000-year-old oak even has a connection to the US. Find out about that and more after the break. Welcome back. Going to Britain, one of the nation's oldest oak trees just got a helping hand from the community. The capon tree will be cared for after one of its supporting limbs collapsed. Here's the story. The town of Jedburgh in southern Scotland is home to one of the oldest and the most important oak trees in the UK. Called the Carpon tree is an ancient Cecil oak. And this is the last survivor of that forest. It's said to be uh, around about a thousand years old, and uh, and it was um, um, twenty years ago, 
at the Queen Elizabeth's Golden Jubilee in 2002, it was nominated as one of um, Britain's 50 greatest trees. The tree is now in its last stages and gradually dying off. It's starting to split and some limbs are falling off. Then in a storm in 2021, one of the tree's massive supporting limbs collapsed. That's why the Jedburgh Community Trust created the Carpon Tree Preservation Project to support the tree. We undertook this remedial works and, and um, support works to actually allow the tree to survive hopefully a few more decades or centuries. The tree is dying. It's, it's coming to the end of its life or its existence. And we're just helping to support that tree into its old age. Um, and uh, and, and as, a, as a bunch of people within the town just got together to, to do the work, which most of it's voluntary work. With the help of organisations such as Falago Environmental Fund, the community was able to raise over $18,000 to help preserve the tree. This includes nearly $9,000 received in grants. You know, helping preserve all trees and, and you know, giving them the, the sustenance that allows them to breathe in carbon, you know, help clean the atmosphere. And, uh, uh, you know, it's important, I think, that we help preserve our environment into the future. And, and you know, hopefully in decades to come or centuries to come, there will be more thousand-year-old trees within Scotland. Chairman of Jedburgh Community Trust Jim Steele says the Capon Tree has been an important meeting place for the town of Jedburgh for many centuries. The tree also plays an important part in the ceremonies that takes place during festivals. Still also shared with NTD a connection the tree has with the US. There is a, um, a gentleman, James A. Weir, who died in Portland uh, in the USA in 1922. He specifically requested that his ashes be brought to Jedburgh. I assume that he was a, originally a son of Jedburgh and he's buried underneath the tree. Steele says the community in Jedburgh would like to find out if James Wire has any living relatives in the United States and the town would like to connect with them. Anna Rodriguez, NTD News. The world's most expensive mango has come to India. It was showcased at a mango festival in a city in the country's east. This Miyazaki mango is a Japanese specialty. It's named after the city where it originated. The fruit is known for its rich, creamy texture and sweet flavor, but customers may be shocked by its high price, more than $500 per pound. Using grafting methods, the fruit is now being grown in India. Visitors at the festival were attracted by the unusual ruby-red-colored fruit, and some lucky ones even got a chance to try it. Mm, looks delicious. And the population of the world's rarest marine mammal appears to have remained steady since October 2021. That's according to new research published by Sea Shepherd. Entities Andrew Thomas has more on the nonprofit's efforts. The critically endangered vaquita porpoise is native to Mexico's Gulf of California, but illegal fishing is posing a threat to the marine mammal. Now, nonprofit organization Sea Shepherd has teamed up with Mexico's government, which is under pressure to crack down. Sea Shepherd's role in the larger effort to save the vaquita comes in the form of Operation Milagro, which is our collaboration with multiple agencies of the Mexican government 
to keep the zero tolerance area free of illegal fishing gear that has brought the vaquita to the brink of extinction. Biologists estimate that some 20 or fewer vaquitas were left in 2018, but Sea Shepherd recently found around a dozen healthy looking ones, including calves. For us at Sea Shepherd, the survey results we are announcing today will do exactly one thing, increase our determination to save the vaquita. Sea Shepherd also reports over a 90% drop in fishing boats in the vaquita's habitat. It attributes the drop to improved coordination with the Mexican Navy. But in late May, the U.S. Secretary of the Interior criticized Mexico's efforts. She declared that Mexico has failed to halt the illegal wildlife trade threatening the vaquita. She also brought up a possible trade embargo. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. The Portland Trailblazers didn't make it into the NBA Finals, but one zoo resident in Portland isn't letting up on her basketball practice. A sea otter named Juno is showing off her dunking moves. Zookeepers at the Oregon Zoo trained her to put a ball through a plastic hoop. The exercise is a way to prevent aging and stiffness in her elbow joints. The basket hoop is mounted on the rock face of Juno's habitat, and visitors can watch her in action up close. After the exercise, Juno is treated to fresh seafood. The Oregon Zoo is currently working to bring sea otters back to the state's shores. And a franchise first for the Vegas Golden Knights. The young team won their first Stanley Cup last night. They beat the Florida Panthers 9-3 in Game 5 of the Finals. The NHL says Vegas captain Mark Stone is the first player since 1922 to score a hat-trick in a Stanley Cup clinching game. That's when a same player scores three goals in one game him to get a hat trick tonight like a, you can write it better than that right I mean it's just such a such a great comeback story and he's been unbelievable he's such a great human being to have around and couldn't be more happy for a guy like that for sure it's been about the team no matter who's in the lineup um, and it you know right to the bitter end tonight I think you know Marshy got the con smite it could have been a lot of different guys not one guy carried this team I thought Everybody did their part, and I'm happy for Marsh. She certainly deserved it. Could have been a lot of different guys, and that's the story of our year. Congratulations, Golden Knights. And that's all for today's program. We're wrapping up here. We'd love to hear from you, as usual, at goodmorning at ntd.com. So write us if you want. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.